What is up, my friends and fellow busy bees? I hope you're all doing well, and if you celebrate Easter or get the long weekend off, I hope you're looking forward to a nice, relaxing long weekend ahead that I'm sure some of you really need, because I know how hard you guys work. You're grinding, trying to keep up with work, potentially raising little humans or fur babies, likely working on some furniture pieces regardless of if you're also trying to sell said pieces, as well well as maintain a somewhat healthy and active lifestyle while simultaneously being a good wife, husband, daughter, son, parent, sibling, employee, and friend, just to name a few. I know it can get exhausting and that can leave you feeling quite depleted and unable to dedicate time to other things in your life that you may really enjoy or just feel the need to dedicate brain power to that you simply don't have left at the end of the day. I totally get it, which is why I put together today's episode to hopefully help you out by taking away something that may be on your plate, which is moving yourself forward on the furniture refinisher's success spectrum. Don't know what that is? No worries. Let me walk you through it here today. So the Furniture Refinisher's Success Spectrum is a framework that I put together to help you work your way forward, however far you personally are interested in going, towards working full-time as a furniture painter and refinisher running your own business. Now, for some, you won't have the goal to move your way fully through the spectrum, and that's completely okay. It's why I decided to call this a spectrum rather than a timeline or something else, because some people may be perfectly content staying at the phase that they're currently at. Regardless, I hope you will still relate to the stages in the spectrum and have your experience recognized and help you feel seen and not so alone in your journey in the world of upcycling furniture. Since we're typically working out of our homes, likely not surrounded by other people who are also flipping furniture and potentially trying to sell it, except for some of you rockstar husband and wife refinishing duos out there, I love that for you guys. But if you don't have that, it can start to feel like you're kind of moving through this space on your own. Alone in our workshops, we don't always have someone to share our experiences with or rant when we need to with someone who understands or just chat it out with someone who's going through similar things as we are. This is why I think there's such a present and vibrant community of refinishers on Instagram because I think we're all kind of reaching out to others to find that sense of community and understanding that doesn't always exist for us since we aren't working in a big office building like a traditional quote-unquote job. If that is something that resonates with you, firstly, I hope you keep listening so that you know that these things we are going through and experiences we have are absolutely not unique to us. And we are all going through such similar experiences in this space, regardless of where you're located in the world. Second of all, because, I mean, I can only show up here so often. So I recommend you also try and find that community for yourself. Episode 10, called Community Over Competition, walks you through what I did to find that community of local refinishers when I needed it. And you get to hear from some other refinishers in my area of what is meant to them as well. So feel free to pop over and give it a listen if you haven't already, after you're done with this episode, of course. But let's talk about this furniture refinisher success spectrum again, because this outlines that journey from when you were first introduced to the world of furniture painting and refinishing and upcycling to owning a full-time business doing furniture makeovers and everything in between. 
I wanted to outline what that journey looks like based on my own experience, but also the experience of others in this community that I've heard from anecdotally when they share on social media, conversations I have with others in my DMs or when they email me, as well as the narratives I hear from my consulting and coaching clients. It can all essentially be broken down into four main stages. The lurker, the dabbler slash hobbyist, the side hustler, and the all-inner. Listen, I don't have a marketing background, guys. There's only so much this social services brain could come up with in terms of a proprietary naming strategy. If anyone has any other better ideas, I'm all ears. I know the all-inner isn't the best choice, okay? Okay? So in today's episode, I wanted to walk you through these stages in the refinisher's success spectrum and talk a little bit about what's happening in each stage, what symptoms and struggles may arise in each stage, and what you might be experiencing, as well as what you can do to move yourself forward along that spectrum, as well as what you can do to move yourself forward along that spectrum, and things that I offer that might help move you along that path, should you so choose. So essentially, I'll be walking you through what the journey looks like. You can identify where you're currently at. I'll let you know what that might look like and then what you need to do to get to that next phase. Today's episode will probably be a little longer than usual, so I'll be sure to include a timestamp in the show notes of this episode so you can skip forward to the phase that most resonates with you if you don't have time to tune into the whole episode. Though listening to the action steps in the other phases may still get your gears turning and give you some good ideas too, so of course I do hope you'll stick around for the full thing. I know that walking this path can come with confusion, frustration, and sometimes a lack of knowing what the next step is or what you can do next. So my hope for this success spectrum is that it can help lay down a rough overview of a trajectory that you can take and introduce some clarity, some comfort in knowing that you're not alone, and take the pressure off of you to have to fit in time to specifically sit down and map this out for yourself. Sound good? First up, we have the lurker. This is someone who has discovered the world of furniture flipping and is interested and intrigued. You may have discovered it while on Pinterest, maybe saw a piece that stopped your scroll while on Instagram or Facebook, or perhaps you were chatting with a friend who had a piece that was refinished and it got you talking about and thinking about it. It might even have been something that has always been a part of your world if you had parents that had always led a more sustainable or secondhand lifestyle and would invest in refinished pieces for their home. Whatever the avenue for discovery was for you, you know it, you love it, and you're interested in more. You might watch, and when you get down the rabbit hole, maybe even binge, furniture makeover tutorials on YouTube to pass the time, or follow content creators on TikTok to see their before and after transitions to see what transformation possibilities exist for these pieces. You also likely appreciate the worksmanship and process behind what it takes to refinish this furniture, and you may even have some pieces that you've purchased for your own home. However, you've never actually done a makeover yourself. At least, not yet. There's a couple different symptoms that may exist in this phase for you. The first of which is total and utter FOMO. You are always seeing these videos that look so satisfying and seeing the drastic difference that can come to a piece with just a little bit of work, and you're always so inspired to take on your own project. Though you may not feel like you have the time or ability to do so, you love the idea of trying out a furniture flip of your own because it looks fairly straightforward from what you've seen. 
You might even have a specific piece of furniture in your home that you've had your eye on that would make the perfect inaugural makeover piece, but you just haven't pulled that trigger quite yet. Another symptom of the classic lurker is a bit of perfectionism that exists. You love the idea of doing a makeover of your own, but before you get to that point, you gotta do just a little bit more research first, right? You wanna know all about the different steps in the process, what to do if you come across a repair that's needed on the piece, and how you can achieve the best finish on that piece. Because once you do enough research and know a bit more, then you'll finally feel ready and prepared. I'm gonna throw a little spoiler in here though. You're never actually gonna feel fully prepared, my friend, but that's okay, stay tuned. The last symptom of the lurker is that frustration and confusion that exists when it comes to the process. You like to be prepared and well-researched before jumping in, but there's just so much information out there. And a lot of the time, you will find the answer to a question that you might have, and then as you continue researching further, you find another exact opposite answer to that same question. Super helpful when that happens, isn't it? So now you're unsure, you're confused, which steps should you follow and in what order, and don't get me started on the products. You don't know which are the best, how to know what to use and how to choose them, and if you should be using the same products on the different projects that you do. Questions and thoughts that don't help to make you feel any more prepared for this makeover you want to do. Am I getting somewhere? I know for a fact that there are some lurkers here listening today, so listen up my friends because I have a plan of attack for you. Now, like I mentioned, there may be some of you who love being a lurker and just appreciate consuming this content and you have no intention of taking a project on of your own, at this point in time at least. Never say never. In that case, keep doing you, boo-boo. My recommendation for you is that if you aren't already, to sign up to receive my Friday Furniture Focus newsletter. This will help fill that itch that you have to immerse yourself in the world of refinished furniture by bringing inspiration to your inbox every week, including tutorial videos, the latest podcast episodes that may interest you, new furniture artists that you can discover and follow, and other helpful hints and hacks in the furniture flipping world. Honestly, regardless of the stage you fall on in this furniture refinisher success spectrum, I mean, I'm only slightly biased, but I think all of you would love and enjoy the Friday Furniture Focus. So if you are interested in doing so, sign up on my website at meldidherself.ca, and I will also be sure to link it and any other things that are mentioned in today's episode in the show notes. So check that out on your podcast player. All right, so for those lurkers out there who are ready to finally commit to moving forward and tackling that first furniture makeover to move yourself into the dabbler and hobbyist stage... There's four action items I wanna quickly walk you through. Process, plan, supplies, and mindset. Process, if you haven't already, you're gonna first pinpoint the piece of furniture that you're gonna use for your first furniture makeover to help focus your attention and narrow that focus. Then, if you need some clarity on how to accomplish this and get you out of the confusion and frustration zone of endless information, you might wanna grab yourself a copy of my No BS Guide to Your First Furniture Makeover. This will clarify the process by giving you my step-by-step framework for completing your makeover, what you need to do in each step, how to do it, and my tips and hacks learned over the years for how to save your time, money, and effort while doing so. 
It also includes a first furniture makeover supplies checklist, so you can be sure that you have everything you'll need for your furniture flip. And I link any of my recommended products that I use in my own business if you're looking for some tried and true reliable products. If you have others that you've pinpointed that you want to source, that's cool too, but it's there if you need it. Now, plan. Once you have your guide and you set aside some time to read through it, I want you to grab your calendar or agenda or virtual calendar or whatever you use to keep your shit on track and in order, and you're going to mark a date on that calendar for when you're going to tackle this flip. Depending on the size of the piece, you may only need one day to be safe, maybe mark off a weekend and then you don't have to rush it as much. Although, fair warning, once you get started on it, you're totally going to get into it and not want to stop until it's done, but give yourself the extra time just in case something else comes up. And now that you've set that date, we need supplies. We're going to make a shopping list. Again, handwritten or virtual on an app you use, whatever works. Walk through your first furniture makeover supplies checklist or whatever compilation of information that you have, and you're going to make a list of what you need for your particular piece and what you want to do to it. Then take a peek at any DIY or home improvement tools or supplies that you may already own at home and see if you already have any of those items. Things like sandpaper, cleaning supplies, cloths, and maybe even paint or stains may be something that you already have, but you've forgotten about in the depths of your basement. Don't worry, I do it all the time too. That's why I have triples of some products. (laughs) Then you're going to go and source whatever else you need. As a reminder, should you decide to get any products from Surf Prep Sanding or Fusion Mineral Paint, I am an affiliate and thus I have a code to save 10% off of their products, as well as a curated Amazon storefront with many of the products that I recommend. If you want, you can find the links to all of those at meldidherself.ca slash favorites. And that's favorites with a U because I'm in Canada and I refuse to comply with the way that the US changes the spelling of everything. Have I mentioned that I'm stubborn? Okay. And then the last thing I want you to think about is your mindset, particularly for the lurkers with a tendency towards perfectionism. I need you to say it with me. Ready, fire, aim, not ready, aim, fire. Again, ready, fire, aim, not ready, aim, fire. We are going to dive into this project with two feet, regardless of if we feel positively ready and prepared to do so. And we're just going to give it our best go. Because you know what? Every single one of us refinishers had a first piece. It might have turned out amazing, but a lot of the time, it turns out just all right. But I guarantee that no matter what, it sparked that passion for the work, and it was also a great starting base for us to look back at and compare our work to following it. It's a great point of reference and time to look back on and see how much you have grown, how much you've learned, and how much you've evolved since that first piece. So we are going to fire, do our best, and forget the rest. Once we see how this one goes, we can then do that fine-tuning and aiming so that the next time we are closer to the bullseye. So promise me you won't worry about it too much, alright? Regardless of how it goes, you can always strip it back and start from scratch should you need to do so. Now, we move our way into the second phase of the Furniture Refinisher's success spectrum, which includes both the dabblers and the hobbyists. If you're at this stage, you have accomplished at least one furniture makeover. For many of you, that first piece turned into doing many pieces, whether it just be ones that you work on for your own home or for friends and family who discover that you've taken up this hobby. 
It's crazy who all of a sudden wants to switch up their furniture when they find out that somebody that they know is doing it. But regardless of who you're doing this flip for, you are loving the feeling of being in your workshop, getting into the zone and getting into that state of flow and are feeling the catharsis that furniture refinishing can bring. And as the dabbler and hobbyist, you've started to see how you can fit this hobby into your life and routine quite easily. And you're losing hours in the workshop, plugging away whenever you can. I was recently chatting with someone who emailed me and said that her husband often comes in and does wellness checks because she just spends so many hours out there without even coming in, you know, to go to the bathroom, get a drink of water, whatever. And he's like, are you still alive in there? So you might be experiencing something like that. You may have even started selling a couple pieces and making a bit of money on the side and realize that this can be something that you not only make money from, but something you really enjoy that you can make money at, which is a pretty great realization to have. During this phase, people in your life start to discover that you're doing this furniture refinishing and slowly the word starts spreading. You start to get people reaching out to you when they have pieces that they're looking to get rid of because they know you've been doing some makeover projects and they want to know if you'd like to take it in to give it a new life. You may even start a social media presence to connect with others doing similar work and have a curated feed of furniture painters and refinishers to inspire you instead of having it all mixed in with your personal account and algorithms. There is a shared symptom amongst the dabblers and hobbyists as with the lurkers, some major FOMO, but in a different way. By the way, FOMO is fear of missing out, if anyone didn't know. I didn't say that the first time. I should have. So you've done one or two or a couple dozen or maybe more makeovers, but you keep getting that itch for more, especially after the satisfaction of completing another project and looking at the results of your work. There's no better feeling. You now have a new filter that you've never used as you move through the world, looking at existing furniture in your house, online for sale or at thrift stores, and you're imagining how you would redesign it or restore the piece to give it some new life. You realize just how much potential there is in pieces, and you realize how easy it can be doing these flips, and you see just how many pieces there are out there available to flip. Basically, you're insatiable when it comes to these projects, and you're always excited to jump into your next one. Another symptom of this stage is self-doubt. You absolutely love doing this work, and it's a super fun hobby, but you think, I could never actually make any real money doing this, right? Right? But there's still something in the back of your mind that thinks maybe, just maybe, if you kept on with it, that it could turn into a source of income for you and your family. Some other symptoms you may be experiencing as a hobbyist or a dabbler is a lack of clarity and feeling a little bit uncertain. You're unsure of how you could go about turning this from something that you enjoy doing as a hobby into something that makes you money, and ideally consistent money. You've maybe started to do research at one point or another to find out how other people went about it, maybe tried to pick someone's brain who has been there before, and you've looked online to see if there's something that could help you with this and make things a little easier for you. But as a result, you're kind of overwhelmed because although the internet is full of information, you haven't been able to find something that specifically has what you need all in one spot. And there's also uncertainty because you don't want to decide that this is the route you're going to take and then you accidentally fuck something up along the way. Maybe you won't go about it correctly. Maybe you'll try to do your taxes or bookkeeping and make a mistake and then get into trouble. 
And even more so than all of that, you're uncertain because you also worry in the back of your head that if you decide, like really decide to move forward with being more intentional with this and seeing what you could grow it to, that it would change and create more stress in your life and take the fun and enjoyment out of the work because you're changing your passion into something for profit. I know that was absolutely a worry that I had. What if I start being more intentional and consistent with this and then it turns from feeling fun, exciting, carefree and like an escape from reality into something that feels like a chore, another have to do on my list and just feels like work. Work that isn't feeling super exciting at this point in time and the garage is a escape from. If you do find yourself in this category or this phase of the spectrum, I hope it brings you some relief to know that this is where the large majority of you fall. Between this stage and the next, I would say that is where a good, I don't know, 70 to 80% of people are, if I had to put a number to it. It's a totally normal place to find yourself because past these points are where you really need to start being more intentional and have some self-accountability or find someone to walk on the journey with you who can hold you accountable in that way. Now, if you're in this stage and you are happy to remain in this stage, again, please do not feel the pressure to monetize this thing that you're loving doing and take it from anything other than a hobby. Creative outlets are so important, and if you want to keep it being just that, then I so encourage you to do so. Don't feel the need to turn it into anything else just because you might see other people online doing it or hear me talking about being able to help you do so. Please, please, please do just stick to what feels right for you. You never know, this feeling could evolve for you over time or it might just stay as is. And if it feels good for you, your lifestyle, your needs and your desires, then I always encourage people to do what feels true to you. But for the dabblers and hobbyists who have that inkling that it's something they may be interested in pursuing and having it become an income source for them and their family, here are some recommendations on how to go about that and get yourself to the next stage of the furniture finishers success spectrum. First, you're going to head over to my website and grab your free guide and checklist for starting your furniture refinishing business. This is where I have compiled a step-by-step guide for how I would go about starting a business or a side hustle selling refinished furniture if I were to start over again. There were some things that I put off that ended up costing me more time and effort down the road that I wish I had just done at the beginning. So this guide and checklist will help you to tackle all the necessary elements, in my opinion at least, for setting yourself up for success in this space. Then you're just going to work your way through that checklist. It will lead you in the right direction and make this process so much more manageable by categorizing the needed elements into different steps that are way more easily digestible and tackleable. Tackleable. That's not even a word for sure. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. At the same time, I want you to continue to keep doing your furniture makeovers as you normally would and keep up that interest and that passion. Don't take the time that you would normally allocate to doing the makeovers and replace it with these more maybe not so fun elements to setting up a small business because then you won't have any release for that creativity and ultimately it may make you resent the decision that you've made to pursue this. So don't do that. Now, once you're done working your way through that checklist and you set up those core elements, I want you to set three goals for this year for your business, no matter how big or small. Make it like a realistic goal that you could complete within that timeline, but choose three things that you want to achieve by the end of this year. 
Then get focused and work consistently towards those goals. Along the way, you will inevitably have more ideas for things that you could take on, things that you'd love to pursue, or ways to expand or switch things up. But for that first year, just stay intentional and focused and get into the groove. After that, you can make some moves and bigger plans, but I recommend not trying to do too much too quick. It can get overwhelming, and then, again, you might lose that excitement for this thing you've decided to pursue. Another recommendation is to make one of those three goals be in relation to continued education in the furniture finishing world. Obviously, this podcast is a great start, so gold star for you. But whatever way you learn best, just try to find ways to learn more about different aspects of furniture flipping that you're not super familiar with. And then over time, without even really realizing it, you'll have a wealth of knowledge that you can pull from and use to troubleshoot when you come across different challenges in your makeovers. One resource for those who like to read that I often plug is the Furniture Bible, which is not only a beautiful coffee table book, but also a really great educational resource about furniture and how to refinish and restore it. Great read. If you're someone who enjoys consuming visual content, Obviously, YouTube is a great resource because it's longer form content, so you can hear a longer, more detailed breakdown usually of the process that people take, and typically the reasoning for doing so. You kind of got to like upgrade to the no ads version now because personally, I find it unbearable to watch YouTube with ads now. They're just so many and so long, but a worthwhile investment. A couple YouTube accounts that I follow that I love and that I recommend for those looking to learn more is Salvaged by Kay Scott, which is Katie Scott. Shout out to Katie if she's listening. She's one of the ones who initially inspired me to try out my first makeover. And I also find Transcend Furniture Gallery to be super informative and I learn lots from her. As an added bonus, both those accounts are Canadian, which you know I always love to support. Another refinisher who does a lot of furniture painting projects that I learned a lot from early on was Christina Muscari from Pretty Distressed. So you can start there and check all of them out and then let the YouTube rabbit hole lead you where it might. Okie dokie. So that brings us to the third stage of the furniture refinisher's success spectrum, which is the side hustler. Again, lots of folks sitting in this space, which is great. So what does this phase look like, you might ask? Well, you've decided to take your furniture flipping more seriously and be more consistent with it, selling pieces for profit. Congratulations! You may or may not have officially registered as a business, though, as you know by now, I always recommend doing so. You're also seeing some traction in your business and are developing more of a client base over time as you sell your pieces and getting maybe some repeat clients and some recommendations for your services through word of mouth. And as a result of all of this, you're seeing some real money coming in and this little side hustle may even be making you some real substantial money. Some symptoms that are arising in this stage, namely confidence. You are really getting into the groove and have quite a few furniture makeovers under your belt now. So that has increased your confidence in your abilities. So you feel like you can be a little less choosy when it comes to sourcing pieces because you're confident that you'll be able to handle the majority of what comes your way. The things that were roadblocks to you before because you didn't know how to tackle them? Second nature to you now. There's no slowing you down. However, for some of you who are interested in moving from that side hustle life into full-time self-employment doing furniture refinishing, there might be another symptom that's creeping in despondency. 
Yes, that is a word I had to Google because I couldn't think of a word that quite hit the nail on the head for this one. Google is a resource, so don't make fun of me. Despondency is a state of low spirits caused by loss of hope or courage. And side hustler, if you've been here for a while and working your ass off to try and scale and grow this business, but it hasn't taken off in the way that you thought it would, you may find yourself here. And there might even be something in your head that's thinking, is this even worth it? Will I ever get there? Should I just give up and quit and go back to doing this as a fun hobby and try not to grow it as a business? But rest assured that so many of us have been there, and I know for me, it is particularly in the times or seasons where pieces aren't selling super consistently that had me in this mentality of self-doubt. And it feels so frustrating because you feel like you're giving all your free time and effort and energy to this thing, and it's just not paying off in the way that you believed it would. Can you relate? If so, let's put those thoughts on hold a second and instead create an action plan to help get you past this slump, which is all it is, a momentary lapse of motivation and excitement for this thing that I know fires you up and gets you excited in the morning. So let's find a way to keep that going. First up, if you haven't registered as a business officially already, that is step one. I know, I know, you think that that's going to make more work for you and... In theory, you're not wrong. You'll need to keep track of your purchases and file your taxes, yes, but welcome to the real world. What little effort it will add to your life will be quickly forgotten due to the positives that it will bring. It changes your whole outlook from being one simply focused on the pieces themselves to being more cognizant of the business as a whole and treating it as such rather than treating it as a hobby. It will cause you to focus on ensuring that you're being profitable overall once you take all the costs and expenses into consideration, and it just inevitably changes your outlook and motivation when you look at it as a business rather than an quote-unquote unofficial side hustle. You'll also start thinking at a higher level about how you can continue to grow and scale the business to make it what you want it to be, and you'll think about marketing your business more widely and setting up systems that are going to help save you time. This is the kind of thinking that is going to help you to create these innovative ideas that will grow the business and ultimately put you on the path to success and, should you so choose, eventually going full-time in the business if that's the goal. Now, the thing that I found to be the most true in this phase is that sometimes the hardest part of figuring out what to do next or where you should be focusing your efforts is because we have everything all jammed up in our overloaded brains that have zero attention span, and we don't know how to get it out, make it actionable, organized, and make sense for leading us where we want to go. Sometimes just writing it out and getting a plan on paper helps, but other times you need someone to help bounce ideas off of and help you brainstorm and turn it into a plan of action that will actually result in change compared to what you've been trying to do up until now. If that rings true to you and you are currently facing a challenge or a barrier like this, I would absolutely love to help you get things in order to help you grow and expand and flourish. I haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet, but something new that I'm offering is complimentary coaching and consulting sessions that are called Busy Bees in Business Strategy Sessions, where I help walk you through what you're currently struggling with and we create an actionable plan for you to tackle to help get you where you want to be. These sessions will be recorded and posted as podcast episodes because I really want these to be learning opportunities for all of us. Like I said, there are a ton of people who are currently dealing with the exact same things as you are. So I'd love for you to sign up for a session and we can work through what you're currently working on. 
Some things that I commonly talk to my consulting and coaching clients about are things like setting up systems, establishing and growing a social media presence, creating a content strategy, creating a marketing strategy, growing your presence locally, increasing the profitability in your business, and setting up multiple streams of income. If any of that rings true, make sure to head to the show notes to apply for a strategy session. I'd love to have you, and I want to shout out your businesses on the podcast as well. If we're talking marketing, there's an opportunity. Okay, so then once you've been able to get established and growing in the ways that you want to, you might want to create a plan to go full-time in your furniture refinishing business and take yourself into the final stage of the spectrum, the all-inner, the person who's gone all-in. This is the person who is a full-time furniture painter and refinisher, self-employed, running their own small business. This means you are treating your business like a business and not a hobby. You're setting goals for yourself. You're setting targets to ensure that you're meeting the mark on your income and you're likely looking for continued growth in the business, whatever that looks like for you and your circumstances. You have some semblance of a routine and have systems set up and in place so that you aren't spending copious amounts of time on menial, repetitive tasks and admin work that can be streamlined super easily. You also have income coming in, hopefully pretty consistently, and it may be just from one source or you may have multiple revenue sources set up. You may even have some people working for you to help alleviate some of the burden and help you get shit done. Essentially, you're living the dream. A symptom that may arise as a result of being an all-inner is alignment. Things are feeling aligned with your vision for what you wanted when you first set out on this journey, and you're feeling motivated and inspired to upcycle more often than not. We gotta allow ourselves to have our off days too, we're all human, but more often than not, you're feeling inspired and you're into it. During this phase though, the satisfaction of knowing that you've been able to curate a life and a business that excites you and that feels true to you and your desires and how you enjoy spending your time far outweighs the lazy or negative days. Another symptom of this stage though, especially if you find yourself here for more of a prolonged period, is stagnancy. Now, if you have the business where you like it and want it to stay there, then this is an amazing thing to have achieved and to be sitting at. However, if you have goals that you have been consistent in working towards and are still feeling that stagnation, then it can definitely be discouraging. And that can start to eat away at your motivation and love for the work if you find yourself putting your absolute all into it and aren't seeing any returns on that investment of time and effort. And let's get real for a sec. It hurts that much more when it's your own business that you started from the ground up that you're trying to grow and you aren't seeing movement in. Going all in on your business is a big leap to make and with it comes some inherent risk, which we know, but we obviously hope that it will only continue to grow and find success. So when things slow or come to a halt altogether, regardless of the amount of effort and time and intentionality that you're putting in, that's a quick and surefire way to get you second guessing your choice. Believe me, I've had my days in that headspace as well. But what can we do to avoid moving backwards in stages and keep ourselves in that all inner phase? I'm so glad you asked. The reality is self-employment and entrepreneurship can be difficult and there isn't always the immediate positive response to the things we implement in our businesses. However, accounting for that and having an action plan and strategy to stick with in those times can make all the difference. 
I'm also a big believer in support and community, particularly in self-employment, which can be lonely at times because you probably don't have anyone else that you're working with day to day. This is why my recommended action plan in this stage is to connect with someone who understands what you're going through, can help you strategize, and again, just help you talk it out and get everything that is floating around in your head out. I recommend finding a coach or someone that you can consult with that will help you to find some clarity and have a plan to work past whatever challenge or barrier or stagnancy that you may be experiencing in your business at the time. Not only will talking it through help to get those negative thoughts out of your head and stop you from hyper-focusing on them, and then you'll focus more on the positive and what's to come, but they can also help you to strategize and potentially introduce something into your business that you've never thought of, or even just help you streamline existing items in your business to save you time, money, or frustration. It's always a great return on investment, and as a reminder, that is a business expense that you can write off at tax time, so it's a win-win for both you and the future of your business. I do offer coaching and consulting like this. I have an option for a single session if you just want to address one thing that we can work through in an hour, or if you'd like some more ongoing support, I also have a four-session package that saves you some money that will also allow for prolonged support, strategy, and follow-up. You decide when you'd like to have those sessions so we can meet, create a plan, and then you work through it at your own pace before we meet again to evaluate how things are going and if we need to make adjustments. Now, I'm fully aware that it does require an aligned vision, outlook, and understanding in order for a coaching and consulting client to feel adequately supported, understood, and satisfied with what they get out of these sessions. So by no means do you need to invest in me specifically, but find someone that you feel like you vibe well with and ideally someone who has achieved what you're aiming to. That way they can share their expertise, their lessons learned throughout the journey of getting where you're aiming to go, and they can really empathize with where you're at and how you're feeling. Ultimately, we want to get you past that bump in the road and continue on with positive forward momentum for both you as a person and your business. So that's that, a breakdown of the Furniture Refinisher's success spectrum. I hope you were able to identify yourself and where you're at on the spectrum. And if you felt stuck at that stage and phase for a while now, feel like you have some tangible things that you can work towards to help you move forward. As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me in my DMs or send me an email at mel at meldidherself.ca. And something that you might not know about me, I love little motivational messages. They always get me fired up and I keep a running list of ones that are especially catchy or speak to me in the notes app on my phone. So I'm going to end every podcast episode with one of those that I've noted down over the years in hopes that you leave our time here each week feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to take on whatever comes your way this week. So this week's Mel's motivational message is, where you are today does not define your tomorrow. Regardless of what confusion or frustration or stagnancy you're currently feeling, regardless of if you feel like you don't know how to move forward, but you really want to, there's always something you can do to move you forward in that furniture refinisher's success spectrum, should you be willing to invest the effort, the time, the energy, and sometimes the money that it takes to get there. Where you are today does not define your tomorrow. You are capable of doing great things. You are capable of moving yourself forward. You are capable of surmounting barriers and challenges that exist. 
We have endless knowledge at our fingertips. So whatever it is that we're facing, there are resources out there to help get us where we want to be. Where you are today does not define where you will be tomorrow. Keep that in mind. Keep your chin up. And I hope this episode has been beneficial for you. All right, that's it for now. As always, I appreciate your time so very much, and I will catch you guys next week.